0: Exodus chapter 22, we'll be reading verses 5 and 6 today. It says, If a man shall cause a field or vineyard to be eaten, and shall put in his beast, and shall feed in another man's field, of the best of his own field and of the best of his own vineyard shall he make restitution. If fire break out and catch in thorns, so that the stacks of corn or the standing corn or the field be consumed therewith, he that kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. And my Bible that I'm preaching from, there's a little paragraph sign uh, next to both those verses, meaning they're separate ideas. Um, we we'll are be looking at both of those things today because remember in and verses one through fifteen, you could call this the restitution section or the se- the section of repayment for loss. Well, combining both of these verses in verses five and six, we may say restitution of goods. So that's titling the message today: restitution of goods. Um, going back to the beginning of this section, you know, we had the Ten Commandments that were given in chapter twenty and verse twenty, chapter twenty-one and verse one. The Lord speaking says, Now these are the judgments which thou, Moses, shall set before them, the children of Israel. Some suppose that there are some 600 elements of the law. I would submit that these elements of the law point back to the Ten Commandments. If one is fulfilling the Ten Commandments, they will fulfill these things as well. And the Lord Jesus Christ boils it down even further than that. And we've read this before. Consider it again, please, in Matthew chapter... Twenty-two, Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. It says, uh, chapter 22, Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law, everything written by Moses, and the prophets. So everything, everything comes back to love your neighbor, or love the Lord, rather, and love your neighbor. That's right. Everything, including Exodus chapter 22, verses 5 and 6, rest, the, the laws concerning restitution of goods. Considering, again, as we've read, or read and studied before, keeping these things fresh in our minds, that these aren't just tick boxes that we're to to keep track of under the letter, but these things are spiritual. In Romans chapter seven and verse 14. And you may well even go back to Exodus chapter 20 and and write Matthew 22, 37 through 40 and Romans chapter seven verse 14 through chapter eight verse uh, verse four. You could write those things just to remind ourselves He says, for we know that the law is spiritual. These are spiritual things that we're considering out of the law. We're not studying the law so that we would know how to be better keepers of the law, but to show that this is the character of God and that the character of man, seeing in verse 14, I'm carnal, sold under sin. The character of man in the flesh cannot cannot keep the character of God according to the law because we are carnal. These are spiritual things. Chapter 8, verse 1, Therefore, is no, there, is not, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Those aren't two separate groups of people. Those are the same group of people. Those in Christ Jesus will walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And so walking in the Spirit, they will fulfill the law. Keep reading. For the law of, for the, law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh god sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit so a child of god and being born again by the power of god walking in the spirit then will fulfill the righteousness of the law they will love their na- they will love the lord they will love their neighbor no longer sold in sin, being carnal, now spiritually alive beings will walk in these things. So we have it in the text again, and that applies to all the law that we'll be seeking. These things can only be fulfilled in Christ Jesus and being born again, a believer walking in the spirit will either believe these things and walk in them or be repented of not and be caused to walk in them. So verses five and six. have restitution of goods we have two separate issues at hand and in verse 5 you have somebody causing an issue and in verse 6 you have someone carelessly kindling an issue but both the same you see the verses end with the same clause right make restitution both both verses end with the clause make restitution or the the offender will repay for the loss okay so first look at verse 5 there's a person who's causing this thing it, it, in verse 5 if a man shall cause a field or vineyard to be eaten and shall put in his beast he shall be free he shall and shall feed in another man's field at the best of his own field and at the best of his own vineyard shall he make restitution or make repayment Think about how selfish and how sinful that would be. This is this isn't just oh you know whatever. This, this is a desperately wicked thing to do for somebody to take their cattle or their oxen or their sheep or whatever and to cross over a boundary line and let them, let their things feed on the field or produce of another. The way I the way I count minimally that is offending at least six of the ten commandments. At least six, okay? You think how sinful this really is. It's very sinful. You read through that, oh, it's not a big deal. My cows, they're going to eat too. No, think of how sinful. Yeah. Okay, so let, let's see how sinful this really is. Go back to Exodus chapter six, if you would, please. Exodus chapter six, verses six through eight, Okay. So we're going to get the idea of ownership and possession. Uh, Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will rid you out of their bondage. And I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people. And I will be to you a God. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. See this. And I will bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, and I will give it you for an heritage or an inheritance. I am the Lord. So now in Exodus chapter 20, and Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 and 2, And God spake all these words, not Moses, God. God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Considering that idea, now, in chapter 22 and verse 5, if a man shall cause a field or vineyard to be eaten, and shall put in his beast, and shall feed in another man's field. You see, they had no possession as they were wandering around in the desert, did they? Where was somebody going to have a field? In the promised inheritance of God, right? In Canaan. In Canaan's land, there would be another man's field. So in Exodus chapter 6, in Exodus chapter 20, and now in chapter 22 and verse 5, the idea of ownership of a field includes the, also the ideas of reached promises and possession according to the oath that God gave to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob and and, and 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 brought that up again to Moses and he conveyed that again to the children of Israel this this is is an infringement and an infraction upon someone's inheritance based on the oath of God God gave that, those to Zebulun and God gave those to Benjamin and God gave those to Asher you see? It it would be a sin against God to infract against your neighbor's space for the Jew. God gave them their place. Remember, oh, Ahab, he wanted a man's field, didn't he? He said, no, this is my inheritance. This is what God swore under our fathers. And this is mine. It could have been what you know whatever the case that that land was it was owed by God to those particular people so infringing upon another's land was also infringing upon God's promises to his people specifically the Jews in the land of Canaan what a terrible sin against God what a terrible sin against God and this idea, call it free grazing, allowing animals to do as they please and go, it infracts upon another man's inheritance of promise by God. That sounds a lot more serious than, hey, can you know, my 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 sheep eating some of your field over there. Free grazing also forgets the liberation of bondage, you know. And so, for a Jew to say that I'm going to let my stuff eat off of your stuff, in addition to forgetting the promise of where we are, it also forgets the mercy and grace of God from getting us from, for the Jew, for removing us, or exodus-ing us from Egypt. It forgets the mercies, the grace, the power, the providence, the wonder, and splendor of all those things, and all it is is short-sightedly caring for one's own needs at the expense of another in that deep really is so how in the world that that, if that applies to the jew why are we even bringing that up look if you would please in the book of acts while god did promise the jews canaan he didn't promise me canaan that's not my land that's right acts chapter 17 as paul is preaching as paul is preaching under these people on Mars Hill, verse 24, Acts chapter 17, verse 24, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelt not in temples made with hands, neither is worship of men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth life to all and breath and all things. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. While he didn't promise by an oath unto my fathers to give me Canaan, he has by his wondrous and sovereign design set a bound of my habitation. So for anyone to infringe upon that, infringes upon God's setting the bound of my habitation. And if I infringe on your space, I'm infringing upon the space and the bounds of your habitation so ordained by God. That's a sin against God first. It's a sin against me, but it's a sin against God first. And if I were to do that to you, it's a sin against God first. You see, so this man free grazing his cattle, or his oxen, or his sheep, or whatever. You see how that he is he is infracting upon the the promises and the providence of God. First, the sin is first against God. You recall as David lamenting over over his sin. He he said uh, uh, concerning his sin, uh, against thee alone have I sinned, speaking to to the Lord. Yes, he had Uriah slaughtered, and and he sinned against Bathsheba. But his sin was against God, first and foremost. And so was this. All sin is first against God. Well, what else does this person infract upon? Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3. Exodus chapter 20. And verse three, again, a man free grazing his animals into another man's field. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. How in the world is that infringing upon how is free grazing your animals or, or reaching into someone else's boundary? How in the world is that having another God? And violating the law of God, one sets themselves as God. Yep, self. When Adam and Eve, when they ate of that apple that, that or that, that fruit, I don't know what kind of apple or what kind of fruit it was, whatever that fruit is, as they ate it, they said, you know what, in my disobedience, I can be like God. So someone free grazing in verse five, they're saying, you know what, the Lord said not to, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to set my own rules and in setting my rules, I feel that like my rules are superior than God's and thus in my heart, I am superior to God. That's what all sin is. They, uh, the, the offender of Exodus chapter 22, verse five, feels like their ideas of what right and wrong is are superior than God's ideas of what right and wrong is. Therefore, they have another God besides them. Read, read, read that again. Thou shalt have no other gods beside me. In my household, I'm the head of household. If I I give a directive and someone says, you know what, I'm going to do it this way, that means that not only are they disobedient in that, but they now in their minds assume themselves that they are head of household, you see. Someone assuming in their minds, and guess what? All of us are sinners, and I do the same thing. I'm a sinner. When I sin, I am saying, you know what? My the way of me, the way of behaving in my own eyes is right and good, and it's superior to the way God says so. I make myself a god. That's that's a, that's a frightful sin, isn't it? So for God to say, I have given you a an inheritance. You stay in your spot and leave another person's spot alone for someone to infract upon That is, it would be a measure of them calling themselves God. Terrifying. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. Again, free grazing, having someone's animals go into another person's space. Oh, that's not that big of a deal. So already have sinned against God and that they're denying the promise and inheritance and, and the providence of God, sinning against God and, and that we call ourselves gods and our ways are better. Verse seven, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Now guilty before God behaving in an ungodly way They are taking the name of the Lord in an an empty way to say that, yes, I am the Lord's. He is mine. And yet to live in such a way that it denies that is taking the name of the Lord in vain. One that would sin against God and their neighbor and do it so openly. You see, we're talking about fields. This is an open infraction. There's no shame in this. This is openly saying, I will do as I please. I don't care what God says, and I don't care how it hurts my neighbor. I will do as I please. This, no doubt, is behaving in an ungodly way, and this, no doubt, is behaving in such a way that one would be taking the name of the Lord in vain. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. Excuse me, verse 13. Thou shalt not kill. Well, not directly. But think about this, if we, if I live in, agri- live in an agricultural society and what I have in my fields is what I'm going to live on for the next year, and you let your stuff come in and ruin it, trample it, eat it, stomp it down, tear down all the gates and everything, and now what do I have for winter? You basically killed me, whether directly or indirectly, you see. This was not a small deal. This was a big deal. These people, they were going to have an agricultural society. You go back uh, when when Joseph was bringing in his his family members and they put them out in the land of Goshen out there. and, and And Pharaoh asked, are there any men of opportunity out there? Any men that know how? They were herdsmen when they came out. They came out by their herds. They were going to Canaan with their herds, you see. They were These people were going to be agricultural people. So, so if these people had nothing for their livestock to eat, and they had nothing for themselves to eat, how would they survive? They weren't going to go out to the nearest town and pillage and plunder. That was not going to be what they did. No. They were going to rely on these things from year to year. In, in fact... It was part of their yearly sacrifices, having the the, the the feast of first fruits and their wave offerings. They were going to depend on on agriculture, and God promised them that they would. So now, if someone is infringing upon that, for the other, they they could have essentially killed that person by taking away their their their, their produce for the year. Chapter twenty. And verse 15, thou shalt not steal. Well, obviously, taking something that's not yours and feeding it to your beast, that's stealing. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 17, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's, including his field and the produce thereof. So at least, at least six in fraction, and, man, and a man causing a field or vineyard to be eaten, and shall put his be- in his beast, and shall feed in another man's field. See, when you when we first read this, maybe you didn't think it was that big of a deal. Oh man, th- this one's going to be kind of a light message. We, we can kind of sleep through this one. No, this is this is a very big deal. It's a very big deal. You know, this is done. This is this is different than if, if a person sa- uh, did it by asking or with permission. Say, hey, look, you know. I had the blight come through my my, my my field. may I may I have my my oxen or my sheep or whatever. Can they graze your corners? That's different. Getting permission is different. That, that's okay to ask for it's okay to ask for help. It's not good for a person to be alone. If you have a need make it known. You know what the neighbor may have often given a field. It may be that there were some farmers that had extra fields just for the poor. That could have been the case. Historically, some agricultural neighbors have had a codependence during hard times. Hey, this farmer over here has a hard time. Well, these farmers over here, they'll, they'll help them out and get them through the year. Yeah. That's loving your neighbor. Yeah. And this isn't saying they couldn't do that. But just just being presumptive and dumping livestock in somebody's barn, you look out the window. Man, What? what whose cows are in my yard? That's different. Presuming and coveting and, and causing to take when it's not been offered, that's nothing short of sinfulness. Nothing short of sinfulness. Think of the secondary damage also done. Again, this isn't just somebody's field being eaten up. You have an idea of unintentional unintended consequences. Un, unintended consequences. You know, animals aren't very courteous. There's, there's some animals that have manners, but most don't. They'll just impose themselves on you. Our dogs, they're nice and everything, but they'll just flop down in your lap and, and lick you when you don't want them to. Just, 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 they're, they're, they're terrible as far as keeping house. They'll trample down. They'll tear up. They'll wreak havoc on a land and without conscience. They'll, they'll eat when they need to. They'll, they'll potty when they have to. If they want through a fence, sometimes they'll just break it down. So sometimes, in addition, listen, in, in addition to the crop being gone, maybe this farmer now has to deal with the cleanup and the repair. Maybe those things are costly and, and consider much time. You ever try to repair, uh, repair a fence? Huh. It's hard work. Yeah, it is. It's hard work. So restitution the guy look at it here the uh, it says in the b part of the verse of the best of his own field of the best of his own vineyard shall he make restitution of his best of his very best the best of his own stuff so remember when you're dealing with restitution it's going to be equal to or greater than okay so if i had a, a bushel of apples that were eaten up well you you owe me a bushel of apples okay Somebody says, "Well, I don't have anything to give. What about drought or whatever?" Again, asking is different. So if your animals don't have anything to eat, ask. If you don't, if you don't have something, ask. Don't just assume to use. Seeking guidance. You know, uh, what, what if the neighbor said, "Well, I, I'm not getting good water flow. Well, how do I get better water flow?" And well, maybe some maybe some neighbors would pitch in and say, this, "Well, this is how we get it going. This is how we get you bigger and going and whatever." And they also had an idea of servitude, and we covered that back in chapter 21. If someone's not doing well as a farmer, they could go into servitude to somebody else for six years, 7th they they'll be released back. And, and that man will take, there's allowance for that. But trying to go around God's law and skip the servitude aspect of, and just do things their, their own way, well, that's sin, that's sin. Theft, free grazing, or presumptive imposing is neither godly, ethical, or proper wasn't for them then it's not for us now plainly the neighbor's field is the neighbor's field and the neighbor can do with their field as they see fit with it you can't do with the neighbor's field as you see fit with it think about the quality he says the best of his own the quality may not be as good but the best is required okay So if I let my cows or oxen or sheep or whatever go into somebody else's field, maybe my corn or maybe my apples or peaches or whatever aren't as good as that other person, but I still owe them the best of what I have. Maybe, just maybe, my quality is much better. I still owe them the best of what I have. The best. The best is required. You see that word, best? It's plain. It says it twice. The best of his own field and the best of his own vineyard. The best. Not the second best, not close to the best, the very best. Why? Well, this was going to encourage people to be very careful with their livestock. Most people, you know what? I used to trade ball cards. Adam, did you ever trade ball cards with anybody? I used to keep a folder of ones that I was okay with wheeling and dealing, but I also had a separate folder of my best cards that nobody was going to get. Nobody was going to accidentally take a card out of that folder and put it with their stuff because they never saw that I had it. It was my best. But here, their best was up. Their best was on the line. So if their cattle got out and started eating somebody else's, their best stuff was now on the line. That would cause most farmers to be very, very careful with their livestock. This also encourage the community to be careful in the dealings of others. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean? That means if I saw Lex's oxen getting out I'm having trouble connecting. into Adams Field, I would help both of these men out and bring Lex's cattle back to Lex's field to preserve both he, Lex's uh, best fruits and Adam's field. That's a New Testament principle, Philippians chapter 2. We studied that some months ago. Philippians chapter 2. You see, children of God, we're not just to be neighbors to, to ourselves. We're to love our neighbor as ourselves, but we are to love our neighbors. Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 4. If they're there be therefore any consolation in christ if any comfort of love if any fellowship of the spirit if any bowels of mercies what well, man that's loaded isn't it fulfill ye my joy and be in ye be that ye be like-minded having the same love being of one accord of one mind let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves look here Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I would want to preserve the best of Lex's field and vineyard. I would want to preserve the, 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 the field of Adam. I'd want to preserve uh, the, the livestock of all. I would want all to have what they were supposed to. And I would also want to help others in that protecting them from sin, intentional or otherwise. James chapter 5. If I truly love my neighbor... If I true, under these circumstances, if, the, if this was happening between Lexington and, and Adam, if I truly love my neighbor, James chapter five verse nineteen, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. I should desire to hide sin, or to or to prevent sin away from the lives of my brothers. And likewise you should too. If you see someone's animals approaching under my field, please intervene, and I will do the same. You see. this is not only me careful of, of how my things behave or, or how I behave in your field or of the impact I have on your field and the impact you have on my field, but the, the, the impact of how we uh, uh, consider one another in each other's fields. Some application here, none of, us, none of us are farmers per se, and none of us have grazing animals, so how can we apply this to our lives? It would be super easy, for an example, it would be super easy for me to, to cross over this boundary line behind us here and make use of my neighbor's field. In a practical sense, it would be super easy for me to go back there and start cutting and doing and, and selling and, and, and whatever. It may be convenient. I'm cold, and it's it's just right there. I need it to start clearing out my neighbor's field. I need it. They're not using it anyway. Maybe Maybe that was a justification, right? They're not using it anyway. I need it. All these circumstances, all those circumstances, I need to pillage and plunder and raid and infringe upon my neighbor's field. None of that stuff gives anybody clearance to sin against God or sin against their neighbor. There is no good time to violate the law of God. There is no good time to violate the law of God. There is no good time for me to fulfill the lust of my flesh and forego the righteousness of the law according to the Spirit of God. There is no good time for me to take the name of the Lord my God in vain. There is no good time for me to despise my neighbor, to steal from my neighbor, to covet of my neighbor, and to, and to infringe and impose myself on my neighbor's field. Even if it's just a little bit, there is no good time to sin against God or sin against my neighbor. down to the simplest ideas, it is hating God and hating my neighbor to do such a thing. If a man shall cause a a field or vineyard to be eaten and shall put in his beast and shall feed another man's field, how selfish, how ungodly, how sinful against God and against our neighbor. Again, the best, the best will be what's required. That in itself Should cause us to pause. The best of his own stuff. We could also say the best of our own time, right? So if I if I was if I if I was infringing on my neighbor's field, and in doing so I broke something of theirs or did I ruined something of theirs, and I have my own chores to do, well I've got to give my best and first time to fix their stuff before I fix my stuff. You see. Well, I don't have time for that. I got this obligation and that obligation. Well, be careful how you handle your neighbor's field. The second portion of this is careless kindling. Look at this and and be careful of the words. If fire break out and catch in thorns, so that it catch stacks of corn or be standing corn or the field, be consumed therewith. He that kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. And that's intentional or accidental. Okay. So look, at, if you see this, he talks about he brings up catching the thorns, and that's important. Most people don't keep thorn bushes in the middle of their crops, their tillage, or their vineyards, do they? Most people don't. So then we can say, okay, well maybe this is maybe this is the fringes, maybe, maybe this is the outskirts, maybe this is on the on the outside boundaries where nobody's doing anything anyway. The fire at least had an origin in the corners or the edges or the, the place where nobody was doing anything. Oh, what a big fire can be kindled out of just a little bit of carelessness. What was going on? Maybe they were doing a controlled maintenance burn. You know, they, they do that every once in a while, even in the National Forest. They'll, they'll do a maintenance burn because all the garbage and the trash and all that stuff that's at the bottom. If left alone, it'll just pile up, and man, it, it, that fire will just devour everything. So what they'll do is they'll do a controlled burn, and, and, and that way it'll preserve the forest and not burn the whole thing down along with houses and everything that along, along with it. Maybe somebody had what they called a controlled burn. They were trying to trim up the edges of their own stuff, and it got over into their neighbor's property. That, that's happened. That's how. When I was living still at home in my youth, that there were fires that broke out all the time. People went to camp or whatever, and it just gets on my parents' property, and boom, there it is, a fire. Sometimes fires are started out of meanness. Samson started a fire out of meanness. Was it a careless thing? Again, somebody camping. The cause is not mentioned or required. Do you, you see a cause in there? It's not mentioned and therefore it's not necessary we know the cause. It says a fire break out. There's a fire. If there's a fire, it doesn't matter why the fire. There's a fire. we got to deal with that. The consequences. The facts are that once... That a fire is produced and was burning and that... That fire was kindled by another. One's, one's possession was caught on fire, and another person started that fire. That, that's the basics of the idea there. What about the produce? See, look at in verse 6 again. The fire catching the thorn so that so that the stacks of corn or the standing corn or in the field be consumed therewith. Well, maybe this corn was cut down, and it was piled up. Was it in a barn? Well, you'd, you'd have a hard time burning down corn and not burning down a barn if the corn was in the barn. Was it still in the field? The place of the produce is neither mentioned or required. It doesn't matter wherever that stuff is. If it's in your kitchen cabinet, yeah, whatever. The condition of the produce is neither mentioned or required. Okay, it doesn't. It doesn't say. Well, if if the if the corn didn't have a, you know fly speck on it or didn't have any kind of mildew on it and if it was in good shape it was sweet and it was good to eat then you'd pay them now whatever condition that corn was in now it's burned up y'all know i grew up on an apple and peach farm all the to me all the produce was always good but sometimes it was just a little it was bigger sometimes it was smaller but sometimes it was bigger and sometimes it was sweeter sometimes it was not as sweet but sometimes it was sweeter it's not mentioned, so it doesn't matter the quality here of the produce. The, what matters is somebody burned it up. Yeah. Again, infractions on the law. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. Exodus chapter 20 verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, but the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. You start setting people's stuff on fire, that ain't a very godly thing to do. Right? Right? Yes, it's a sin against man, but that's a sin against God. Burning other people's stuff up—that's a sin against God. Saying that one is a child of God and yet destroying their neighbor's thing—that's not—that's not godly. That's ungodly. One would be guilty of taking the name of the Lord in vain for burning down their other. That, that's a sin against God. Again, if you see, the law is spiritual. It's a, its a a—it's—it's it, 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 a—it's a sin against God. To set fire to your neighbor's things. Also in chapter 20 and verse 13, thou shalt not kill. Again, if if this agricultural society, if you just burn up all their food, more or less may have killed someone. Chapter 20 and verse 15, thou shalt not steal. Well, it's not stealing so as to put it in your own pantry, but it's stolen away from them. You, you took away from some, you took away from something from someone that wasn't yours, but you took it from them. You know, if I if I if I take Lex's shoe and throw it in Village Creek and he can't find it, well, I don't have it, but I stole it from him. If I burn up your stuff, I don't have it, but I stole it from you. So there's at least, and even in neglect or accidentally, there's at least three three sins. How many sins does it take for one to perish in eternity? One. That's right. So this these these are these are important things to consider. Taking is a theft. Okay, so well, I didn't know. You know, this is an accidental thing. I, I, I didn't mean to, I didn't know. A couple years ago, I was setting our front line on, uh, uh, on, on fire and it looked like it was out to me. It really did. So, uh, you know, I stamped on it and everything. And it got dark and I didn't see any ambers and we went out to dinner and I came back and looked again, didn't see any ambers. I thought it was fine sister Nelda comes in the next morning it was a sunday morning says boy you're out burning early i said what and the whole thing was on fire out here i didn't know leviticus chapter four check it out leviticus chapter four leviticus chapter four verse one and the lord spake unto moses saying speak unto the children of israel saying of a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the lord concerning things which ought not to be done and shall do against any of them any of them i didn't know i didn't know the fire got out if the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people then let him bring for his sin which he hath sinned a young bullock without blemish unto the lord for a sin offering required a sacrifice by blood i didn't know again this fire apparently started on the fringes that apparently by starting in the bro- in the thorns it started in a place that no one is going to use this for any good anyway but here you have it, burning down the crop the restitution certainly be known that the produce would be reimbursed equal or better we we we, could, we can understand that from verse five but that would also be the understanding of verse six also consider again the idea of unintended consequences Again, by the reading that this fire may have started in the kindler's own land. This person might have started trying to, trying to burn down their thorn bushes and their thorn bushes were butted up against somebody else's thorn bushes and boom, the corn is gone. So even by carelessness, this person is required to make restitution. Can you imagine a cornfield going up in fire? I mean that would be a roaring fire. That stuff dries up so fast. It it would just take just a little while for a cornfield to go up. And such a thing, oopsie doopsie, I didn't mean to. That wouldn't cut. Co- that wouldn't cover the damages here. And how could someone burn burn up all the corn in a barn and not burn up the barn? So now I'm making restitution. That in addition to re- refilling the corn supply, they'd also have to consider what other damages were done. Fire is indiscriminate. You think about animals being indiscriminate. Fire is indiscriminate. It burns without judgment, you see. It burns, it burns, and it will burn. It continues burning until it's out of fuel, until it's out of air, until until it's out of substance to burn, or, or until somebody puts it out. It would be reasonable to make a restitution for the other goods. So if someone's burning and the corn goes up, well, guess what? If you burned up all my shovels, you owe me some shovels. If you burn up my oxen, you owe me some oxen. If you burn up my house, you owe me a house. Buildings. What if somebody's in that building? I didn't mean to. Does that cover it? No. This recalls one to take special care in managing a fire, wouldn't it? That call, shouldn't this cause you? Shouldn't this cause me to take special care of a fire? Yes. It's not always a certain thing to, to set a fire or a blaze a fire. It's not always a certain thing. There's variables. Wind. What if the wind changes? What if it's going this way and you plan for that, and then all of a sudden, whoo, it goes the other way? You know, you've got a rate of combustion. Some things are drier. Some things are wetter. Some things just go right up. You also have fires that jump. You know that? Whether through ambers or whatever. Animals can carry a stick over. Uh, There's there's so many things you can't account for. So then, so that one would not violate all these sins against God and neighbor, it would be wise for us to tend our fire. Application of verses 5 and 6. Listen to this whether by causation, intentional, putting your cows in somebody's yard, or careless kindling, accidental, restitution is required. Restitution is required. So then the matter of sin is before the Lord. Okay. Both of these accounts are sin before God and sin against neighbor. Whether intentional, desiring to have the Lord's substance, one is is desiring. Listen to this. We're not just sinning against our neighbor. We're sinning against God. So in verse 5, you're taking your stuff and you're imposing yourself and you're saying, you know what, I'm going to graze in God's big field here of this earth and this life and I'm just going to satisfy my own self and the Lord's substance. By imposing yourself, well, that's a measure of self-righteousness and self-importance too, isn't it? That man must have really thought himself something to let his cows graze in another man's yard. You really think you're something sinner by grazing in God's creation imposing yourself or thinking you do whether it's intentional or accidental you still kindle your own fire you still kindle your own fire and you think that you're maintaining your fire and it's not maintained at all. In fact, your fire is blazing, and your fire has terrible consequences. At either account, there must be restitution. And the first here, the best of what you have, verse five. The cost of either the the cost of, of either intentional or unintentional sin against God and against man. The cost of either is the soul of the offended. The best of what you have is all you have. And your best won't do. Huh? Yeah, your best won't do. You cannot appease the wrath of God. You cannot make things right with God. You cannot make restitution with God. You can't do it. How then can one give an equal or greater restitution before God? You can't do it. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. You cannot. In a practical way, you are grazing in God's field, sinning against God, and you have set fire sinning against God. How can you make things right? Mark chapter 8, verses 36 and 37. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? How are you going to make restitution for sinning against God? You can't. How can there be reconciliation? The word reconciliation, it's a mathematical term. Finding agreement and balance of at least two separate sides of an equation. How can you make things right before God? You Can't. Again, you have grazed on God's earth presumptively and thinking yourself even as a God doing so, and you have set fire. How can you make reconciliation? You can't. Hebrews chapter 2. Let me tell you who can. Hebrews chapter 2. And verse 17, wherefore in all things it behooved, it was necessary for him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. What's a high priest do? He He goes before God and brings the case of the people before God. That's what the priest did. A merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation. Restitution, payment, balancing of the equation for the sins of the people. You cannot make restitution for your for your free grazing and for your burning. You cannot make rest a reconciliation for your sins against God, but Jesus Christ did. Make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Isn't that great? <laughs> no one can, but he did. No one could, but there it is. The Son of God making reconciliation. Finding agreement between man and God. Man who sinned against God and deserved the just judgment of eternal fire. He made reconciliation. In the Beloved. In the Beloved. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Reconciled. Reconciled. Question is, does one see? Do you see yourself by nature and by sin and by choice? Do you see as one so presumptive against God? So daring that you... Attempt to graze in his field and be equals with him even as a God. Showing yourself even superior that you can impose yourself upon him. Oh, how sinful. And how about even starting little fires? Starting little fires. Maybe even trying to, you know, sometimes people start a fire to help preserve themselves. You might be trying to start a fire even to preserve yourself. But that fire has damage. It's in this passage, there is no good of that fire. It is damaging. With water, you're going to make restitution. Sinner, you cause yourself to feed in the Lord's field, presumptively sinning against Him every day. You carelessly kindle fire against the Lord, and in such, there are great unintended consequences. What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? How can you make restitution? You certainly cannot. Again, there is one that came. Jesus Christ the righteous. Call upon him today. Call upon him. There is one to make restitution. There is one to make payment for the loss. And he did. He saw that end. He died. He cried out, It is finished. He completed that work of payment for sin. He made reconciliation for the sins of the people. We just read that. It's written, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many times have we read that in the past few weeks? Acts chapter 2, verse 21. Do you see yourself as guilty? Call upon the name of the Lord. You shall be saved. That's the word of God. Do you see your need, mate? May God grant you grace, faith, repentance, trust in Jesus Christ that you see such a need and you call upon him. According to his gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection, for in he alone there is restitution, reconciliation before God. Child of God, you see yourself in there? I know I sure do. Thank God that whether by cause or careless kindling, restitution has been made before God in Jesus Christ. At each point of the law, again, I'm, I'm carnal, sold under sin. I'm guilty of every bit of this. I should have died. Christ died instead. We could never make things right. I could never make things right. But thanks to God, Jesus Christ did. And you know, when he offered his best, people think that when Jesus offers his best, that his best won't do. No, when he offers his best, he gets the job done. There is, there is restitution. Not one. When Jesus Christ gave his best, not one of his was still on the hook for their sin. Not one. He will not lose one. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. His best saved his people from their sins. Isn't that wonderful? Thank God. God. Thank God. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.